You're listening to the God, God Life Culture, Culture Podcast, Podcast, where faith and what's trending collide. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the latest episode of the God Life Culture Podcast. This is Eddie. What's up, everyone? This is Miguel, and we are so excited that you are tuned in to the God Life Culture Podcast. If this is your first time listening, we want to say welcome to our podcast. We hope that you enjoy today's conversation. And if you are a returning listener, we um, are thankful that you are tuning in once again to hear our new episode. And we hope that, as always, you are blessed, that you are encouraged, and if you missed an episode that you go back to uh check out some of our previous episodes we had some really good episodes the last uh two mm-hmm. weeks or a month right um about camp yep. talking about how to prepare for a camp and um you know or a retreat and then also hearing from god right yes. in general yeah, yeah. Uh, you know at a camp retreat or just like in general in your church yeah. and you know all of that i think those were uh you know two really good episodes yeah and i think that the last couple of weeks have been very eventful for us we've been yes. wrapping up summer we had camp like you mentioned we are just getting out of a wedding as well that was a lot of fun and school started officially a yeah. couple of weeks ago so on top of you being a teacher me having two school-aged children and just getting that whole routine situated. Mm-hmm. It has been a very eventful couple of weeks, but we're really excited to jump into today's conversation, um, which is um, interesting uh, because I recently had um, the Story opportunity. Time. I recently had the opportunity uh, to um, kind of do like a pilot for like small groups um, at our church for an event we were having. Um, which was weird in the sense that, you know, I don't know how many people have actually participated in slash led slash have to create from scratch, like Mm -hmm. a small group rubric, for example, or have to, or even been in one. Um, I think the closest thing that I've ever been to small groups is like Sunday school. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like that's the closest thing. You know, you have a Sunday school teacher and you have anywhere between a good day, you know, 20 or less uh, students um, can go all the way down to three, <laughs> depending mm-hmm. on the day. And I think that's the closest experience I had with small group, which I've been doing for many, many years. Um, but this, when you really get into the ide- ideology of what small group is and, you know, what's the best way for set it, setting it up for success, you realize it is not like leading a Sunday school class. So what's yeah. your experience with small group? Yeah, honestly, um, if you want to consider Sunday school a small group, then, you know, we've been, like you say, been doing it for a while. Um, I think it definitely can be small group. Uh, For me, the first time I actually, I guess you could say, led a small group was through my job, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And that was when I actually, I first became familiar with the term, Yeah. right? You know, I work at a Christian school and they were having a conference and they were having some of the teachers uh, lead small groups. And I got to kind of see it in action, see what it was, participate, be involved in it. And that was kind of the first time I was even like introduced to the Mm -hmm. idea of a small group. Whereas before, I think it was just, you know, a class, right? Like this is kind of what we do like for Sunday school, like Bible study, whatever. Um, But that was the first time I even heard small group, right? And then I know many churches, right, have uh, small groups like every week mm-hmm. um, consistently. Some of them call it small groups, connect groups, life groups. And it's all kind of like the same yeah. 
concept or idea, yeah. you know? Um, but I think small groups are great. I think that people, um, you know, people learn differently, mm-hmm. right? And they thrive in different environments. So for some individuals, they love the big church setting. They love the big production, the big, you know, conference speaker, keynote speaker that's talking to hundreds of people and they're one of the hundred and they're there. Mm-hmm. They can be in a stadium in the nosebleed seats with their pen and paper and notepad and they thrive, yeah. right? Then you have individuals who work really well in smaller groups for whatever reason they feel like you know there there's more attention on them and you know they're kind of more focused or they're able to participate more or just ask more questions or just feel more comfortable in general so i think the idea of small groups is great because again you're reaching a specific group of people who may thrive right in that environment um as opposed to just you know, every week being in a church setting, depending on the size of your church with, you know, a few hundred people, Mm -hmm. you know? So I think you can definitely get a lot out of small groups if you do it correctly. And I think that that's like what we want to talk about today, how this is something that is a great idea, can be super successful and effective if you do it the right way. Mm Because if you go into the small groups, um, you know, with not having all of these things that we're going to talk about today or just some of the things we're going to bring up, it can be challenging yeah. and you probably won't want to do it again and will say no one wants to talk mm-hmm. or it's so hard to like keep their attention or mm-hmm. I just talk the whole time, yeah. right? Those are things that sometimes we hear and uh, are signs of an ineffective mm-hmm. way of doing it, you know? Yeah, no, definitely. I think that, you know, I think that when you're not equipped or educated in like best practices for running small groups, uh, you run the, the risk of it becoming a lecture. You yeah. run the risk, the risk of it becoming a class. <laughs> um, and that's the the thing that you're trying not to because mm-hmm. you're, you're going out of your way to create a new vibe or create a new thing that is not a new thing. It winds up being exactly what you were doing before. Yeah. And that's why it's not effective. Uh, but I think that we're, we're going to see why when we get into something else uh, in a few, why sometimes we fall into those practices because we've been... Um, it's our familiar territory, you know, like, for example, like when there's moments of silence, you kind of just want to like fill it up so that you just keep talking and talking yeah. and talking um, instead of creating space uh, for others to fill that void. Um, but one of the things that um, I think is very important when starting a small group, especially ministry wise and in churches, is the idea about um, understanding what it is that your small group wants to accomplish. What's the purpose of it? Are we doing this as a small group because it's community service based? Are we doing this as a self-help group? Are we doing this as um, a discipleship making group? Like there's so many different avenues as to why you would like to do small groups. But the first thing is that you have to understand what's the purpose. (laughs) Yeah, because when you talk about or discover what the purpose is, that then drives your curriculum. Right. Like in the sense of what are we using to do this? Mm -hmm. Because you know, in essence, some of you guys are so great and amazing that you can just come up with your own words Mm -hmm. and ideas on topics and you can flow. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, right, there needs to be some type of curriculum or program or guideline that will help facilitate what that purpose is for the small group, you know, whether it's okay, we're going to go through, you know, the gospels in the Bible. So it's like, okay, we have the plan of the gospels. Are there like workbooks? Are there study Mm -hmm. guides for each gospel? Like, how are we going to do this? Because then that um, again, will drive your small group. But then now I have a question, and this is kind of putting you on the spot. What would you say is the difference between creating a small group 
and creating a Bible study group. Is there a difference or can they both be the same thing? What's your opinion on that? So I think a Bible study group is a study of the Bible mm -hmm. with life application attached to it. Right. So we'll kind of, you know, the focus we're talking about the book of Romans, but several topics will be brought up in the book of Romans mm -hmm. that can be practical to your everyday life where I feel like a small group, right. Is more of uh, life topics or how to handle stress in your life. We're going to do a series on, you know, um, the Holy spirit's role in the life of a Christian. We're going to mm -hmm. do a series on how to navigate relationships, how yeah. to deal with betrayal for the next four weeks. Right. Yeah, yeah. And obviously the small group would have, you know, biblical foundation, mm -hmm. you know, to cover those topics. Um, so yeah, I think that's mm -hmm. kind of the difference, but at the end of the day, you know, it really depends on the church and what they have established. Maybe mm -hmm. if the church doesn't have a Bible study or Bible school, Sunday school, you know, already formed, the small group kind of takes the place of that. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's almost like we're using the Bible, we're studying the Bible at the same time, applying it to our lives, you know, surrounding a certain topic mm -hmm. or a certain theme. Yeah, no, I agree with that. But I, you know, I, I always get a little, um, uh, not iffy, but, you know, I just I always like to make sure that people kind of understand that there is a distinction, um, especially when um, people may want to swap one for the other and want to be like, oh, you know what? We no longer need Bible study or we no longer need um, a Sunday school or whatever, because let's gear towards small group where I think that biblical foundations, 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 <laughs> foundations uh, is important and separate. You know, when you're instructing people on biblical principles, you can have a small group vibe to it, but it's very more instructional versus having conversations in a small group that is topical. And I think that, you know, the topical one may sound more fun or maybe more uh, free spirited, but there, I think it is important to still have the more structured, informal uh, more formal version of a Bible study group in your churches. I think that Absolutely. removing one, you know, removing Bible study, for example, and replace it with small groups on a more like casual laid back vibe, I think is it's a, I think it's a mistake to yeah. do that. I mean, to be honest, that's the vibe and that's the wave right now, right? Everything yeah. being super laid back and casual. So, you know, you go from traditional church where people came to Sunday school, you know, at least in Hispanic realm, right? Mm -hmm. Came to Sunday school early on Sundays. And every Sunday there was Sunday school classes from kids to adults. And that was that. To then we don't do it on Sundays anymore because people don't want to get up early. So we'll do it like Wednesday nights. And yeah. then it goes into, well, we won't do Bible study anymore. We're going to do like groups where you can meet in people's homes homes mm -hmm. you know so it's just like it's fine depend how you're doing it right yeah. but as long as the goal is the same and it's being effective and reached you know because i think oftentimes we would like to think that our group small group at our home mm -hmm. you know is the same thing as if we did it in our church you know with more of a biblical foundation mm -hmm. as opposed to topical or thematic foundation um but i think if you were to sit back and and analyze it right you may find that like you said there are real differences that will make you know a severe impact on the goal that you're trying to reach because mm -hmm. ultimately right we can talk about you know and people love it talking about you know, life issues mm -hmm. and talking about how to get over, you know, a breakup and talking about how to make new friends in your 20s and 30s. Like people love topics like that. So, of course, it's going to elicit conversation. Yeah. Of course, people are going to be hyped talking about these things. Nobody wants to talk about the historical context when Paul was talking to the Romans. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's not interesting. You know what I mean? But to it's some. not interesting 
Right. It's not interesting um, because you don't know about it. Mm -hmm. Right. But if we actually sat down to talk about the people he was talking to, you probably will see that Mm -hmm. you're like them (laughs) and you should listen to what's being said, you know? So it really does, you know, you have to be able to balance that. And I think that as a small group leader or teacher, you have to be aware of those things. Mm -hmm. Right. Because, you know, youth, for example, and even children, right. Even young adults, you know, you tell them we're going to have a Bible study. They already immediately have a certain, you know, agenda in their mind mm-hmm. and how it's going to be, what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. You tell them we're going to have a night where we're going to get together. We're going to chat. We're going to discuss all these topics and whatever. Immediately, it's a different situation. Yeah. You know what I mean? And of course, you can't now gauge it and say, man, we had 93 come to this one and only 10 came to that one so that means we got to do more of this yeah it's like that's not always the gauge right because again obviously that being more laid back more fun more casual more just come as you are doesn't Mm. matter we're gonna have food kick your feet up you don't got to take notes you don't have to prepare just come to talk is very different than sitting and learning and studying god's word no i agree with that i also think that you also have to be self-aware as a small group leader or an instructor or teacher whatever um to just see what works you know there isn't nothing wrong with comparing and contrasting absolutely let's say that you participate in both leading small groups and leading bible studies or biblical foundations or something and you see that one group is more receptive or effective than the other then there are things that may be interchangeable bringing snacks to bible study may be the key yeah something as simple as that maybe the structure stays the same it's very informative but the fact that you had cheese crackers you you had a charcuterie board that was good enough to get the hype going and again we're speaking i guess specifically on people who small groups is not really like a bible study because i think there are people out there where their small group is like their sunday bible class you know but it's also it's it's very specific in the instruction of it you know they're very like we said it's purposeful everybody knows that this is a small group where we'll chit chat and joke around and stuff like that but we're walking out of this class out of this small group conversation Mm -hmm. with something biblical out of it um and you know and and it is it is possible it is possible i don't say that you can't do it i do think that you can uh but it's just you have to be very conscious of that that's why point number one was what's the Mm -hmm. purpose the purpose of this is for x y and z so we got to make sure that every single time we meet we accomplish that purpose and i think another way to segue into making whatever small group it is um more effective is to create that purpose statement you know whatever it is it could be like a slogan it could be a yeah. logo. It could be whatever. Just something quick, easy, very um, easy to memorize so that everybody knows that this saying or this whatever is in relation to the small group. It's the purpose of the small group. It's the reason why we're getting together. It's the objective of the small group. And that kind of leaves it nice and clear for everyone as well so that it's not like, why are we doing what? What is it that we do today? Yesterday we were doing arts and crafts and today we're going to do what? You know, mm-hmm. you can't have that. Consistency is important. And in order to keep yourself aligned and the other people that are be going it's also great to have a purpose statement yeah and like i said it also serves as accountability right in the sense of you know is what we're doing today going to reach our purpose does it fulfill our purpose statement does it fulfill our mission because if talking you know for 35 minutes on you know your favorite bag of chips that were available there Mm -hmm. that night that may not be the wisest thing to do and you probably didn't accomplish your you know, purpose statement. But now if we use that as a quick intro and did Mm -hmm. that for three minutes, then that's a little wiser. You know what I mean? So I think you have to just make sure as to is what's being done, you know, 
a is it fulfilling our purpose statement and if it isn't then i think you need to then sit back and evaluate and say okay what do we need to cut out what do we need to change what do we need to add Mm -hmm. a lot of times it's not even so much you need to completely cut things out Mm -hmm. you know what i mean because i think oftentimes people will think like you know okay we're not going to do this anymore at all yeah it's like we're not having food at all (laughs) we're not having we're not going to talk or do an icebreaker at all it's like, no, maybe you need to just tighten up the schedule. Yep. Right. So maybe you just need to make that icebreaker and do a hard stop after seven minutes mm-hmm. of it. You know, maybe instead of doing food in the middle of it and you find that in the middle of it, then it's hard to bring people's attention back. Mm-hmm. You do it either at the start or at the end, you know, so you kind of have to see maybe you don't have to cut out entirely, you know, cut out certain things, but you may just have to adjust. Yep. Right. And tighten how you do it, when you do it, who's involved, how long it's going to take, all of those things. Yeah, no, you know, definitely. I agree with that. You know, especially in the beginning, there's a lot of, um, you know, it's a lot of figuring out that happens. Yeah. Even if you went to uh, a 10 day conference on small groups, once it comes to the application of it, there's some wiggling around that you have to do because of the demographic in which yeah. you're doing it with. You know, culture takes um, is a factor. Age is a factor. Um, responsibilities is a factor. There's a lot of different things that are factors um, that you have to customize it to the group that you are, you know, um, working with. Um, and I think the biggest uh, one of the biggest things, if not the number one thing that you should be doing as well, is talking to your church leadership. Um, you know, you should not be starting a small group without talking to your pastors about it first. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, hey, I'm doing a small group next week. And the pastor's like, about what? Who's, yeah. who's going? What's going the situation? Um, but I also think that it also creates the opportunity for collaboration, mm-hmm. where if you're starting a small group on a specific topic and the pastor wants to do a series or wants to do like an intro something on the first Sunday, I don't know. You can do anything. The, the, I think the, the options are limitless and the possibilities are limitless on what that collaboration could look like. But it is a great thing to have. Number one, you should never be doing anything without speaking to your church leaders first, but to have your pastor's blessing and also that support um from the front uh for that small group and the purpose and the theme and all of that i think it's really good also if not vitally important yeah and it also gives the pastor an opportunity to then cast the vision not only for that small group but for then like how is this how does this fit into the church as a whole yeah you know because again we could do a small group on anything mm-hmm you know, we can go find such a great book on forgiveness and do a nine week study on forgiveness, Yeah, you know? And yeah, we could all forgive someone and maybe some of us struggle with forgiveness and all of that. But now is that specifically what your church needs at this time? Mm-hmm. You know, so if you're just going by that and not even talking to your pastor, God may be moving your pastor to talk about some specific topics that have nothing to do with forgiveness. Yeah. Right now, can we talk about forgiveness for sure? Mm-hmm. But now do we want to address the issues and speak on the things that God really wants, you know, to do in the church at that time? Yeah. So speaking to the pastor the person that should have the vision and should know what's happening and know as a church as a whole what god is wanting for that season Mm -hmm. he may tell you you know that's great because i actually was praying about this and that's you know i felt that not only for what you're doing but for the church Mm -hmm. as a whole right so i think it's important to like you said speak to your pastor not only for just permission or approval but also as that confirmation of like man how awesome would it be that you have this idea and god spoke to your pastor about it as well and it's like you both come up with this plan you know but i think it's very important that if you are wanting to start the small group in your church if you're wanting to do something like this that you assess the need of your church assess the need of your ministry Mm -hmm. right and just don't pick something because it sounds good 
Just don't pick something because, wow, like this would be great. No. How does this fit the need that we have in our church? You know, and I think a lot of times things get lost or fall under the cracks or don't perform as well as they should not because it's not good content not because the people that are delivering it aren't good but because it's not the right time and is not addressing the current need Mm -hmm. you know so you have to be very aware of the people you're leading right and understand okay what are the needs? What do they need to hear? What do we see as a pattern that we need to address? What is it that, you know, God is trying to speak to these specific people about? And after you do that, now how can my small group fill those needs? Yeah. How can they provide for those needs? Yeah. No, I agree with that 100%. I think, you know, there's a a thing that is very important. And it reminds me of when I was speaking to um, the leaders of the other small group uh, that I was doing, which is the ability to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Yeah. You have to, there are things that you may not know specifically. You don't know specifically what so-and-so is going through or what the certain group in your church is going through or whatever. But when you are sensitive to the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit leads you to a certain topic, a certain subject, a certain Bible verse. Um, and that's the focus of that mm-hmm. specific small group. You know, it is more, much more effective than, Oh, what's currently trending right now? Uh, or yeah. what's the thing that everybody's talking about? It's like, that's like you said, it's not applicable because that is not what the current need of your church is. Um, you know, one of the things also with small groups is that you have the possibility of it being a small group is just you. You're the you're the leader. You're the person you're the person listening to me is the leader and you're going to lead a little small group. Um, and then there's a possibility where you're the one initiating it and then you're going to you're going to recruit other people yeah. to be leaders along with you to then guide these small groups. You need to do a separate powwow. You know, I was reading that ideally you should start a small group with those leaders first Mm -hmm. to educate them, to speak on whatever subject, whatever the purpose is or whatever, and have that conversations and do those run throughs with them first. Then once they're prepared, once they're equipped, once they're ready, you then release them to the wild. Like they say, um, which is that then they're now ready to go ahead and lead said small groups. I think that if God puts in your heart to start a small groups in your church and you need to enlist more people because of the fact that you have a big number of people and you want to break it up into small groups, you need to do meetings before. You need to educate them. You need to share with them the vision. You have to go through the rules and the understanding and the blue and the blueprint and all the rubrics and all that with them first so that it better equips them so that it's even keel. You know, you don't want your group, your small group to be very effective, very powerful, like all the things are getting met. But the other groups are failing because of the fact that you didn't give them the standards that they need in order for them to everybody to be on the same level. And honestly, not everyone is able to lead a small group. Absolutely. So you may have a great idea and you want to do this with like your four friends at your church. Mm -hmm. Your four friends may not be able to lead a small group. That's true. You can teach them, you can train them, you can help them, but that's not their gifting or their calling. Yep. Right. They may be good at something else. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think it's also establishing if I'm doing a small group and it's outside of myself, right. Cause I'm assuming that, the individual who feels this has the gifting and the calling for it. Yeah. Right. Um, you need to make sure that the people you choose know what they're doing and are mm. able to do it. Right. So having, and I don't want to say like tryouts, but like a group, like you said, where you take the people who would potentially be doing the small group and 
make them a small group, right? Mm-hmm. And show them and demonstrate, you know, give them giving them example and allowing them to follow the example that you're setting. I think it also allows for people to say, this is actually something I don't think I can do. Yeah. Or this is actually something I don't enjoy. Mm-hmm. Right. I can do it, but I won't necessarily enjoy it. Yeah. You know, it allows people to say, honestly, I am able to like, you know, do this. I can serve in this way. I don't think I can get up and, and lead a group this way. And you as the leader where this is where I think discernment has to kick in. I think this is where your relationship with God kicks in, where you have to know, is that person putting an excuse mm-hmm where they really are able to do it, but maybe they're scared. They really are able to do it, but they don't realize or see their own potential. Maybe they are, you know, ready to do it, but they're just so insecure. And you see that in them. Mm. Now is your job to help them see it in themselves, right? But at the same time, just making sure you are offering that opportunity of this is how we are going to lead this small group. The worst thing to do, I think, is to put people in situations where they are not prepared, to put people within the church, right, Mm -hmm. to serve, to minister, to do things with no conversation, no training, no examples, no mentor, no leader. You just throw them out there and they're going to learn by their mistakes. They're going to learn by the pressure. They're going to learn by figuring it out for themselves. Mm And to be honest, some people thrive or can work in that environment. Yeah. You put me in a situation where I don't know, I'm going to leave there leading the group. Yeah. You know, some people will say something like that. Others will say, well, I need to know what I'm doing before going in there. Mm-hmm. Right. So you have to just make sure that everyone who is working with you or the people on your team, the people you want involved, know exactly what that vision is. Yeah. They know exactly what that purpose statement is. They know exactly why, you know, the pastor said, yeah, let's do it. Because as a church, as a whole, this is going to bring healing. It's going to bring education. It's going to bring knowledge. It's going to bring all of these things. They need to be aware of all of that and mm-hmm. recognize the role they're playing, yeah. right? That this is not just a small group, right? This is actually serving the church as a whole. Yeah. No, I agree with that 100%. And I think that that's the tricky part because sometimes, you know, we see people and we see the potential that they have um, and we like them and they're like our friends and, you know, we want them. We want them to be these leaders and these great um, X, Ys and Zs. But unfortunately, you know, they're they may not be ready and it may not be God's timing for them to to throw them into the lions in that sense. Um, So I think that's why it's very important to, you know, uh, listen to what people are telling you. I think it's very important. There are times where when people tell you, you hear it's an excuse and God puts it in your heart. No, you know, this is an opportunity for you to take a leap of faith. And there's other times where it is very clear that if you put this person up to do it, it's not going to be up to the standard that it needs to be. So save yourself the headache, save the headache for the people that are going to be in part of that group and just either put them on hold for maybe the future or you don't put them at all. You know, yeah. and that's just unfortunately, not unfortunately, it's just that not every every field is for everybody. Not yeah, every ministry absolutely. is for everybody. Um, and you have to understand that regardless of how much you think somebody could thrive yeah. in that, if it's not in them or if it's not in God's plan for them to do that, then that's okay as well. And I think it's also important if you are the small group leader, whether you want to plant, start one, or you have been doing this for a long time, is Mm. to see what other people are doing. Oh, yes. Look at other small groups. See what's effective there. Maybe see what's not working there, right? Mm. But it's important that whatever your gifting is, your calling, your hobby, your passion, that you spend time in those areas. You know, there are people that I think 
you know, secularly, if you want to say secularly, right? If they have a passion, whether it's sports, they're watching it. They have mm-hmm. their the app. They have a TV. They have it on their TV. They have they download streaming services and mm-hmm. pay a monthly subscription just to be able to watch those sports, yes. right? They, you know, play whether it's like fantasy football or whatever. Like, you know, all of those different things is not even real, but they're mm-hmm. investing time because it's a passion of theirs. Yes. But then sometimes it's so hard to do that with our ministries, mm-hmm. right? So we have a passion for these things outside of the church. And then the things that are in the church, we are supposedly fashion, uh, passionate about, right? We don't put in the same time yeah. or effort or energy. Mm-hmm. So we're not looking up what other churches are doing in their children's ministry. We're not trying to expand and see what are other youth ministries doing? How mm-hmm. did they grow their youth group? We're not le- looking to see, well, we want to start outreach ministries. What are these churches in our local area doing and how are they serving the community? Yeah. Right. And I think obviously it's not to copy, it's not to imitate, but it's to learn and educate yourself yes. and expand your own mind. Mm-hmm. Think about, you know, times where you took on a project and did everything by yourself. Those were your thoughts, your ideas, your moves, right? But now think about the time you added a team to that, right? It's a little bit of this person's idea, a little bit of that person's suggestion, a little bit of this person's tip and experience that then caused it as a whole to be effective and successful, yeah. you know? No, I agree with that. And I think that that is so important in everything that you do. And even after you start something, you have to continue to educate yourself and see what's working, what other people are doing, what's the innovative thing to do at the moment. You know, the, the little small group that I, was, I put together recently was just for two days was a two day thing, maybe an hour max each day. Wind up being uh yeah, wind up being around an hour actually, uh both days, uh for both days. And um it took me weeks. Weeks of putting this together. Because I think that a lot of times sometimes we like read an article and you know, we got oh one, two, three, four tips on how to do X, Y, and Z. All of a sudden I'm an I'm an expert. You're not. You're really I'm sorry. You're not an expert just by reading one little article. You have to read the articles. You have to do the research. You have to speak to people that have experience with whatever it is that you're trying to do to gain that experience knowledge as well. That's super important. I spoke to you. You're someone who's been in small groups. Speak to other people who are therapists or who who lead small groups professionally. You have to have these conversations with individuals because they're going to give you tips that the books sometimes don't give you yeah. because it's experience. It's different. Like they're like, Oh, you know, when I work with a certain demographic, I get this experience. When I work with that group, it gives me a different experience as well. And it takes weeks to do that. So there's so many things too, that you can't even prepare for. True. Right. So it's true. like, after even doing all that research, mm-hmm. when that one person says something that's yep. so left field that they should have left private and they say it out loud and everybody's like a moment of silence. Mm-hmm. What, how are you going to handle that? Yeah. How are you going to handle that comment or that remark? Mm-hmm. How are you going to handle someone breaking down? Because, of something you said and it really hit them and they're going through something and they break down now you have someone crying in the middle of your small group how do you handle that you know so there are moments where you know even as a school teacher right they say Mm -hmm. that college and textbooks and stuff you know prepare you a certain extent Mm -hmm. but it's actually doing it so if you're thinking about starting it you know do all that research like Mm -hmm. you said but sometimes you just then have to after you do that take that step and actually do it and you'll find that you know the first time may be great and it may not be, 
you know, but then you have to do it again and I'll see yeah. what didn't work. Okay, how are we going to improve this? It seems like we have certain people here that, you know, with their questions, it's not really relevant to mm -hmm. the topic. How do we you know, address that issue because they have a lot of questions. Yeah. Well, let's have a question box. Let's mm. have a text your question number. If we don't get to your question today, we'll get to it eventually. So put your questions in there. So at least they feel like they're being heard. Yes. That took 3.2 seconds. But how did I come up with that? Not because I'm big and amazing, but mm. because I've done it before and I've heard someone else that did it, right? Yeah. So you kind of learn that way where it's like there are things that will come up and problems and issues that may arise or just things out of left field that's not such a problem, but just it's going to challenge you a bit to see how are you going to handle it, yeah. you know? And again, God gives you his spirit. God gives you his, his anointing, his wisdom, his strength to do certain things and handle and pivot certain situations. But there are times where God will allow you to use your brain yes, absolutely. and your power mm. and your abilities mm -hmm. to figure out the problem. Yes. No, I agree with that. And I think, you know, to start wrapping it up, I, I pulled together these 10 tips um, that I think is very important. And anyone listening can grab whichever ones they think will be applicable for them. Um, the first one is to think through the questions ahead of time and create a plan of attack. Is you this, uh, was this personally the list you made? Yes. Is this available for purchase? Um, Are you doing a masterclass? You know, behind a, a paywall. Yeah, no, <laughs> <I> imagine. <laughs> I'm Patreon. Go ahead and sign up. No. Um, so the, the, I think one of the biggest mistakes that anybody could do in anything, in anything you decide and put in your heart to do is to wing it. Cannot wing it. There is grace. There is God's mercy. And that is God's given talent that because of his love for us, sometimes allows us to wing it and be successful but there come a there'll come a day where you're going to fall flat on your face and you don't want that day to ever come so i think it's always better to be prepared think ahead go through the questions run through scenarios and how you think you want the conversation to go and be prepared and don't just sit there and like okay let's see where this goes that i think that's a big mistake number two one of the things that I thought was very important that everyone regardless if you knew the people there or not introduce yourself Hey, my name is so-and-so. You guys already know me. I've been here for X amount of years, whatever, whatever. If there's a specific topic that's going on, if we're talking about relationships, give your relationship status. Oh, you know, I've been married for 10 years. I have two kids, whatever. Make yourself seem relevant to the subject that you're speaking about, yeah. which gives you credibility. What are you doing talking about relationships and you haven't had a relationship in 15 years? Yes, you may have some experience from your relationships 15 years ago, but currently you're not in a relationship. You do not know what it means to hold a relationship in 2023. So it's kind of like, we're like yeah, why, is, why is he addressing us? How are you giving a parenting conference and you're not a parent? Mm -hmm. You know, there's books that you can learn stuff and gives you tips. But when I have a specific question about, oh, well, you know, when it's three o'clock in the morning and X, Y and Z happens, or whatever, if you've never experienced that, it's kind of like. Are you really prepared to give this specific topic? You know, one of the other things that I put down was be mindful of your group's dynamic and response. There is a thing called body language where you ask a question or someone's giving a comment and there's a ripple effect that happens in the room. There's a lot of things that are said without being vocalized and you need to be aware of that. So if somebody's saying something and somebody's having an emotional reaction to it or somebody's like smiling or laughing or whatever it is, sometimes it's cool to be like, hey, you know, what's that about? And, you know, you pick up on that dynamic on certain things that's going on in the group to then continue and further that conversation. Create a safe space for the people, whoever it is, to think and speak, but do not be afraid of the silence. I said this before, a lot of times 
we pose a question or we ask for a specific thing and it's like quiet and we just feel the urge to like feel the silence. Well, I was going to do, you know, and you start talking and talking and talking and rambling. Sometimes people need that minute. They need that beat to think. Another possibility is they didn't understand your question. <laughs> Rephrase it. If you ask a question and people do not respond or you see people with a dumbfounded look, it's kind of like, okay, rephrase the question, generalize it, try to figure out a different way to get a response to what you're asking. If you're going to call on someone, this is one of the tips I put, if you're going to go call on someone, I think this is one that you help me out with. If you're going to call on someone, do not make it specific. Make it a general question. If for some reason your topic is on struggles and sin and whatever, um, do not call on little Cindy and ask her, hey, Cindy, what is your struggle? What, are you, what is the sin you're dealing with? That is putting somebody on blast that you yourself wouldn't even want that type yeah. of question to be thrown at you. Maybe there's a generalization. There's an easier way to throw the question at people. You know, people your age, what are they dealing with? People your age, what do you feel like they struggle the most? And I think that that would open up the conversation a lot better. Do not overshare. This is not a preaching. This is not a conference. This is not a convention. This, this is, is not, not your own therapy session. This is not your therapy session. I should have put that. That's good. I'm going to add that because sometimes... Mm -hmm. <laughs> sometimes it's like are you okay yes like you need yes. do you need a tissue no that's like horrible you don't want that to happen and there's nothing then you wrong. have the small group praying for you then you have the small group <laughs> praying for you which you know what that may happen yes you know what i mean there may be a moment where something like that happens you yeah. know but you you know those are moments that are also spirit led yes you know and not because i'm just going through it and yeah. i'm just breaking down somebody yeah. pray for me you know what yeah. i mean when it's spirit led and stuff like that happens then all the rules and things go out the window yes, but agree. when it's spirit led you know it's spirit led you yes. feel that it's spirit led yeah you yeah. know we had an experience like that where you know a young person had shared something um that was very brave for them to share and it was also you know it was, you can tell it was very emotional for them and the person leading one of the small groups decided to share their experience on how it was very similar to that and they held and i spoke to them after that. i was like you held yourself together really good because sometimes when you're sharing certain things and you want people to hear that they're not alone and that you're experiencing the same thing it can get emotional it can get heavy but you as a leader you have to be able to be like lord give me the strength because i could feel the tears welling mm -hmm. up or i could feel my voice cracking i don't want to become a blubbering mess just help me <laughs> get through this um the other point was be encouraging and empathetic throughout the conversation don't look at these these people's stone face if somebody shares something emotional or that was brave for them to share or they showed some form of vulnerability don't be like oh okay and you like you just completely dismiss them because then the next time you ask a question, they're not going to open up. You dismiss the fact that they opened up to you, that they were vulnerable, that they said something that was very difficult for them to say. Be encouraging and empathetic, not sympathetic. Don't be like, ay, bendito, pitiful to them. No, you want to let them know that you feel the emotion. If they're angry about something, you feel that anger with them. If they're excited about something, you're excited with it with them as well. Be in control of the circle. There are times where because the conversation screws or somebody said something that led to something else that led to something else, we're all of a sudden talking about bag of chips, like you said before, um, which is fun and funny, but you got to be able to be like, all right, now let's get back to the topic at hand. Um, and I think last but not least, always prepare for prayer. 
always prepare to end with a closing prayer with you know something that like summarizes everything in and just like gives it to god you know and i'm pretty sure you're gonna read if you're looking to do small groups there's like hundreds other tips but mm -hmm. for us at the moment these were the tips that we came up with um for what we did so yeah first thessalonians 5 11 says therefore encourage one another and build one another up yes. small groups allows for that to happen it creates a space for that to happen um where you hear other people right mm -hmm. talk it inspires you and motivates you and as a small group leader there are moments where you will be put in situations to have to speak about things that you are currently going through or yep. experiencing and sometimes that is the encouragement and the motivation you need mm -hmm. to hear yourself speak on something that you are currently struggling with right and speaking to people that then are learning from you yeah. and are also like receiving that that you are saying it is a reminder for yourself yeah. in those moments you know Absolutely. and i think oftentimes um god will sometimes do that yep. where even in what you have to present it'll just fit so close to what you're going through currently in that season that you'll know man this was god yeah you know Absolutely. so definitely we hope you enjoyed today's conversation that you were blessed by it and that you would follow us on all of our social media platforms on facebook on instagram at god life culture podcast subscribe so you can be notified every time we drop a new episode and we hope to see you in our next one yeah so thank you once again for tuning into the latest episode of the god life culture podcast that's god, god life culture. culture until next time see ya bye